Cool. Okay, so I completely, 100%, forgot to hit the record button <laughs> on my thing. Thank God for Craig. Craig. Thank God for Craig. Mate, he is a saviour. Mm. He's just, he's too important. Well, I don't know why I'm listening tonight. I got a feeling that the cards just ain't right. I'm so salty, must not give in to rage. And I'm wondering what those rollers will say. Scarves to the left of me, cheers to the right. Here I am, gonna roll a derby tonight. Gonna roll a derby tonight. Gonna roll a derby tonight. So, welcome back to the Hidden City Rolls podcast. Just the two two hosts today rather than our normal three. Uh, just myself and Butters. What's up, Butters? Hey, how's it? Good, man. Good. It's all going good. Had a bit of a bit of a win in the Discord League, so doing okay. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the week is fine, right? It doesn't really matter what happens for the rest of the week. No, that's right. Uh, if you win your Discord League game, then everything else is frosting. No, absolutely. No, you just... Kick it off with a win, and you can just ride that for the next week until you get the next one. Who did you play in the Discord League? I played a, a local fella, Mark, over here. The um, oh, yeah. the 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 end of our game, he was playing Scorpion as well, so it was the mirror it was Caden Bushi versus Caden Bushi. But um, at the end of it, he um, I think he knew I had duty in my hand, so mm. he was on four, I was on one, honor, um. So he bid five, knowing I'd bid high for duty, but I didn't. I bid one, and he just dishonored out. And died. <laughs> <Are you> serious? <laughs> yeah, that's but the like, best. It was, it was, yeah, pretty. He said to me, "He said, why didn't I bid four? I don't understand <laughs> why." <laughs> that's right. You got to head your yeah. bets, right? He was killing himself, but um, no, it was, it was good fun, good game. It was a bit KB versus KB is a bit brutal. Like, there's lots of straightening and savagery. There's lots of yeah, lots of forged edicts flying around, and I saw your splash was lion splash. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an amazing yeah. splash. Is that the superior KB splash? Yep, that's the the cheaper nasty splash. I run three ready for battle. Oh my um, god, ready for battle! I yeah. played against. So there's a guy, um, Graham Hay, who's uh, monkeys and pirates on Discord, yeah. and he and I seem to always just get matched up. Um, in Discord leagues, right? He he and I, I think, were like the two finalists like two seasons ago, and our games were always really seriously close. He played Lion Splash in um, in our games, in our game just now, and he had um, bloody ready for battles and all sorts of stuff. So good. Mm. I think th- that my Scorpion that I run KB Seeker of Air though is very um. I've been playing it for a while. It just gets slightly refined now and then, depending on what's going on. But um, because at a Caden Bush, you've always got dishonored people, you're super, super vulnerable to for shame. Mm, um, yeah, so that's true. Ready for battle just knocks that out. Basically, it helps you out. And also, you can just get super reckless with a lot of your other guys. Like, you don't have to... <laughs> you can. But, like, you can just... You can just you can have, like, zero fate showed you on the table and not care about ring of water. Like, you can just... Oh, yeah, whatever. I'll do something different. I don't need that. That yeah, is the best thing about holding ready for battles is having zero fake guys and your your opponent attacks on ring of water and just like, yeah, it's fine. 
You can yep. just take, you can have that conflict. That's I'm great. fine with it. No, I love it. I've also had, um, uh, I run a couple of, uh, army, what, army one. What's it called? Oh, top Legion of one. Legion of one. one. Sorry. That one, which is amazing. I've had, um, yoga hero in the past solo strongholds just by use yep. of that guard. Cause he has zero military and suddenly whacks out to six, just knocks it over. Um, so Incredible it's an amazing, card. huge swing card. And then I just run one of the lion movement cards where you just chuck somebody into a conflict where you have less people mm-hmm. because, um, with your Aramoros and your Shoujus, it's super handy just to flick someone across and implement a nasty kill they didn't think you could do. Mm. I find that it's yeah. just, that's my little bit of spice, that card. But this is the, the deck I, I've run, um, make an opening three of in that one. Always do. Do you have a name for your deck? All the best decks have names. Yeah, this is the cheap and nasty deck. Oh, it's the cheap and nasty, I see. Yeah, well, this is cheap and nastier and uncut. This is the refined cheap and nasty. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's the the new one i'm still still dabbling a bit after the the cards in unicorn and crane packs but um it hasn't changed too much there's one slot in there actually that i've um recently the big change i've made recently is put back in social puppeteer i had this mm-hmm. one slot and i bounced a lot of different things around in there and i just couldn't do it and social puppeteer is just the best it works so so well like mm-hmm. just to be able to like run into I don't know any old conflict with the puppeteer just on her own, whether it be military or political or whatever. Um, and she can just bonsai herself and your opponent can't counter bonsai when she's got that stuff on. If they're running a offensive deck, cause they have to target her with the bonsai. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. just all that stuff. I mean, I know Mark said, man, she was a pain in the backside when I was playing against him in the discord league game. Cause I ended up what's with the, two on the table. What's the cost of the character. It's three, only, right? a, only a three for a one, three. <laughs> And it's, it's unassassinatable. Yeah, or but she, um, yeah, and she, but she, because she's got the the flick your, flip your dial mechanic, like she can always activate it. Like she swaps dials with your opponent, so her yeah. composure ability always goes on. So she's yeah, she's super good. I rate her very very highly. Um, so Discord League, um, mm-hmm. as you know, as we talked about last time, I collect some stats on, um, you know clans and splashes and all this type of stuff and this yeah. season i decided to uh do the same thing and i would like to ask you a few questions mm-hmm. um of the pl- so we've had nine results in for discord australian discord league so far so of the splashes for the nine people that won what do you think the most common splash is most common splash i'm gonna say crab crab Explain, crab. explain why crab. Uh, I feel the tower thing is still very big, and I think think military is quite heavy at the moment. Mm. Um, and the reprieves are super key in that. And crab have also got like your watch commanders. I know dishonors bouncing around a lot. And okay. rebuild, I've seen out there a couple of times as a restricted choice. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was crab. And fight it on, is it's not. just huge. Fight on is quite good. And you got three um, three keeper awarders out there at the moment, so. Well, remember our Discord league has six crane and six crab in. Oh, sorry, six crane and six scorpion in it. Yeah, true. Um, so I don't. I, I should actually know which what um, clans actually won. I'll go look at that in a second. But actually, the most common splash is dragon. 
Oh, yeah, the let go splash. Okay. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, let that's, go and that's, going that's probably always been the case, though. Like, that's yeah. probably, if you went back in time to the beginning of the game, the let go splash has probably always been the top of it. Yeah. Uh, another question that I thought would be really interesting was, you know, remember when they took away the fate for going seconds? And yes. Yeah, and so then the question became, well, should I go first or should I go second? And I think I think sort of the the, the people, who are they, the wizards, are split, right, on that. So I asked the winners, uh, were you the first player or the second player? Like, did you go first or did you go second? Yeah. And what do you, what ratio do you think is higher uh, amongst the winning players? I want to believe that it's equal. You're very close. It is very close to equal. So there's only there's nine results in. So uh, second player is up by just a little bit at like 56%, but at 44% is uh, going first. So nice. yeah, straight down the middle. No, I like it. I, th- I think it, it really depends on your deck these days mm-hmm. i think that makes the big difference whatever your game plan is determines whether or not you want to go second or first like i like yeah. to go first so i have with my deck at least i prefer to go first so i have more control over the rings and the ring effects that are bouncing around because i like I to play a, a lot of guys quite broad i often don't have fate on a couple of people and the, a, a bad void or a bad water ring can be quite disruptive mm-hmm. um so i like to be able to nix that as soon as i can um I think, that's, I think that's reasonable. Yeah. That's that's my general strategy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the same time though, there there are other decks. Like if you play, I think anything trying to do dishonor or honor, um, even as a secondary strategy or a primary strategy now for some decks, um, I think going second is good because it lets you sort of mitigate as much conflict or conquest damage as you can. Like make sure you've committed enough resources to not get yourself railed, but then right at the end you can sort of deploy all your weapons that you've got left over and like get all that dishonor down without really crippling yourself so mm-hmm. i think that sort of you've got that safety conflict right at the end right like that that last conflict of the turn really lets you just go hell for leather you can calculate exactly how much glory you need to make sure you still got the favor and then apply everything else mm-hmm. into that conflict i think that makes a big difference too for a lot of decks with censure and stuff uh, let me ask you this. Is your aggressive turn, the turn that you just go for breaks, is it when you're the first player or the second player? Do you, do you think about it that far? Or? Uh, yes. No, look, it's... I am always trying to break. Um, I defend a lot too. It really depends on what's at stake. Like, heaps mm. of it depends on... Like, the first conflict... I won't always heavily commit to like, that's always the one I sort of probe and I, I will threaten, like I could break if they decide it's not worth it. Or if I run into upholding authority and I'm just going to hit face, you know, just face check it and knock it over. I usually just wear <laughs> I did, it. I did that. I did that twice in my discord league game. I'm yeah. like the first, the first conflicts that I initiate, I think it was resto or no, it wasn't resto. It was, um, upholding authority and then the second conflict i hit was resto i'm like well i guess i'm i guess i'm <laughs> both of those yeah no nah, that's that's rough but i i find i mean resto is different because you lose so many cards but upholding mm. authority i think i just um i try to prune my hand down so i only have one of each thing and then mm. i will just smash into it and let them take whatever they're going to take 
Mm. I think that's that's the way to approach it. Because at the end of the day, you need the points for the for the breaks. Like if yeah, your opponent's going to need points. Yeah. If your opponent's well, going to need points, just on. do it. So maybe you don't need points, right? So the Atlanta Cote is just finished, and you know who won, right? You know what deck type won, right? Yeah, yeah. It was um, it's his second time he's won, though. Correct. Paul, what was yes. his name? Uh, Steve um, Palumbo. Yeah, and he um, yeah, it was a, a dishonor scorpion deck, which is um super exciting that a straight dishonor deck is 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 doing well. I, as we said, I think we, we discussed this last week, where I think dishonor. I felt in our recent events over here, at least, that um, dishonor is something you have to actively consider now when you're mm-hmm. when you're building your deck you can't just passively avoid it you can't just go oh look i'm at three honor i might just bid one for the rest of the game and maybe claim an airing every other turn and they'll be fine that doesn't cut it anymore there are enough there's enough out there that you'll you just get knocked off you'll just get taken straight out if you don't take it into account properly i mean and that can be as simple as running prayers to abisu and making sure that you know you can manage cancels or play around them enough or know what's out there um, is prayers to abisu like you serious do you would you recommend that players that are looking to to win games at tournaments play with that card oh that I, I, that card's amazing it is so so good so the the reason it's fantastic is that I, I play with it out of my own a couple of decks actually i run it if i am not running scorpion so i can run duty and sometimes I run duty and prayers, but I will run one at minimum prayers to most conquest decks. Just because, look at it this way. So if you're playing against an honor or dishonor deck, it gives you a four point or an eight point if you're in both positions. So if you're below six and they're above 19, they lose four, you gain four. It doesn't happen a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But most of the time I've found... If they're a dishonor deck, it gives me a four-point buffer, which is huge. It's like four cards most of the time out of their hand that they have to play to try and grind that honor back down. Or mm. alternately, though, any other deck, like if I'm playing against another Conquest deck, which is the bulk of them still, then it just lets me bid higher for a turn, get do three versus their one. So I'll drop just down to five or down to six. They'll drop up to se- poke up to seven or eight. And then you can drop it and you just gain a block of four honor, replace your card, and they don't. And mm. so it's it's a very big swing. Like it's it's never a dead card. And that for me, for for the way I like to play and what I think is valuable in cards, I think never having a card be legitimately dead is super important. That's uh, kinda interesting actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna reconsider that card. Yeah, I, I rate it super highly. So did you want to have a look at some of the differences between the deck we talked about last time and the deck that won Atlanta? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me pull up the old Atlanta deck. I know it's here somewhere. I put a link in the, the Discord to the Imperial Advisor page. Was it on the Imperial Cheers, guys, by the way, for the, the fantastic <laughs> analysis. Man, Otherwise, they, they just... We, yeah. Thanks for providing our content. We, we appreciate it. <laughs> Oh, link me again because my I am being garbage. Oh, here we go. Steve Palumbo's winning deck. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. So, Keeper of Air, open hand. That is the thing right now. Um, so, the differences that um, that I noticed straight up is the restricted card. So, Palumbo's running uh, Fate Worse Than Death rather than Forged Edict. So he's yep. he's all about yep. you know low low buys in the dynasty, uh, getting value later in like 
putting value on the table later on, and then yeah. Fate Worse and deathing all your, your good guys, which is great. Yeah. But he's replacing uh, that with three centres, I've noticed. Agreed. Yep. Yep, three centres. Also... Bit... Well, on. you can kind of get away with it with the Scorpion because he's running three fawning diplomats. So, yep. And the Imperial Palace, and, you know, he, does he run Nice and what else? I think there were two nieces in there. Yep. Um, and, uh, what do you call it? Three Keeper Initiates. There's plenty of glory in there to, to scoop up the favor. So he's pretty safe, I think. So splash wise, um, the deck we spoke about last week, Edwin's deck was running two Oracle of Stone. And one of the things that I think is really important if you're doing a Dishonor deck is the ability, like I probably mentioned it last week, Frotop, um, mentioned this one in his series on YouTube, which is that. The secret to dishonor, and probably the secret to honor as well, is to be able to bid low at the same time as being able to draw cards. So Serpent Truth Seeker and Oracle of Stone in Edwin's deck are clearly there to do that, as well as Imperial Storehouse. In Palumbo's yeah. deck, he's got, instead of going for Oracle of Stone, he's got uh, All or Nothing, which is interesting because normally you wouldn't think of that card as like a card draw card, but it is. Mm-hmm. Because it yeah. replaces itself after and you play it, earth card. and it can get you an earth, like a ring of earth effect, which is yeah, great. Yeah. Or it super can get you a ring of air. It's actually, yeah, it's actually really super versatile. Yeah. I mean, you can also kind of, in a way, it sort of combos itself with display of power as well. Like if your opponent's yeah. hitting you for void, you just you display it, grab the void ring, and when you go to resolve it, you can turn yeah. into cards if you're that way inclined surprised a yeah. bit that he's only running two cunning magistrates with that much dishonor i would have thought a card that just wholesale shuts off most of your opponent's guys would be something you just want to routinely see all the time and have on the table at all times mm, it's probably a case of you only need that sort of effect once in a game edwin's deck also only runs two of them so yeah. it's like if there's two in there so that at some point in the game you'll draw it which means you can play it at least once in the game and probably when that effect hits um it's not an effect you need all the time it's an effect that you can just kind of use to springboard you into your next your next big move yeah fair enough no i feel you yeah what else we got there truth seekers city city of lies how's his what's the fate well, there's Fate Worse Than Death. Obviously, that's a big one. A three-cost Fate Worse Than Death is really yeah, good. Got Swim, Maze of Illusion, which is Maze of Illusion's fantastic. Good. Why, why is the maze in there? Does he have anything just for it's, just Well, it's, for probably a, it's probably a couple of things. Thing. So turning on, turning on Ike and Swim is good. Oh, and yeah, then yeah. You, yeah. you mentioned, um, what's the three-coster? Oh, the Puppeteer. Oh, it's no, not in this deck. No, nah, she's not not running. Because like I tend to run her over over that, but um, that's fine. Surprise the Bayesian manipulator as well. I mean, it's a good card, like the one one Cortia for one, but um, or the one 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 for one. But he, um, the well, fact the manipulator that he lets you go down as well, doesn't it? No, nah, only only increases your dial. Oh, only up? Oh, not okay. your dial, sorry. It increases your your bid value. So, right. Um, it does net you cards early, but you've got to trade an honor for it. Um, it could combo with the stronghold these days, though, right? A little bit. Like if you're if you're tied with your opponent, yeah, he ticks in, and you, mm. I suppose, mitigate. You get an extra card out of it and mitigate it. But there's Scorpion got so many 
really good people that you probably don't need to don't need to run that. But no, I like it. Like Mia Mystic, is he running? Peasants Advice, best card. <laughs> also Best card ever. It is so good though. Like it just it's I, I it's one of the most utility cards in the game. Like it just gets you out of so many tight spots. Also mm. running Goblin Sneak though. So apparently Goblin Sneak is the key to dishonor victories. <laughs> Goblin Sneak is great. Um, there's only one Kachiko in the deck. Um, I find yeah, it interesting that Kachiko went from like three of to two of, and now you're sort of seeing it from in the one to two range, depending yeah. on what your deck is going for. I, I don't play her at all, but um, I play a lot of Dishonor Self cards and um, like Disney. Yeah, she's three Dishonor glory. Self and three glory. She like hurts herself. Mm. But I think people have just gone off her as like something you play all the time to now she's a finisher. Like, you've yeah. got her in your hand, you've got to block a fate there, and it's just that surprise to just drop, slam the political into someone's stronghold and, and end the game, you know? Mm-hmm. I dig it. Um, I, think, I think it's yeah. a really interesting deck. I, um, I, like, I like that there's a contingency plan in there. Like, that card was yes. the, yeah, the just a one tricks in yep. core, but it actually want- sees play now. Uh, yeah, I w- and I wonder how often that ability sort of kicks in as well. Like, how often is it useful? Well, the thing is, like, at the end of the game, we bet it's a single jewel or a to come around, and that contingency plan is the last honor point. Like, that, yeah, it's it's huge. Like, at the end of yeah, the game, when you're waiting for your backhanders or whatever, um, every point you have is is one point closer to victory, and most people will stop at three. They know that that's the real danger point, because um, if you have three backhanders, then you get wasted, right? But um, yes. it's not necessary. I mean, what what I think I'd love to try in a deck like this or Edwin's because they're, they're quite similar. They definitely have their own piece. I I very much think that um the the recursion card has got some definite value in here. Combo with puppeteers and the and the icons. The one that starts with a W. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one fate, you got the low bid. What was it called That's again? Right. Yeah, uh, true, true, true to form. We're the podcast that can't remember the names of the cards. It's it's a mystery. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it lets you. It costs you one fate more than the card itself. But if you've got a lower honor dial bid, you can drop stuff in. So I would this, I would definitely pay one fate to play a card out of my bin. I mean, heck, yeah. you know, I play Phoenix. I mean, they're the kings of that kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's valid. Well, Phoenix don't need any more of that stuff, so <laughs> they they <laughs> do fine. Neutral card, <laughs> yeah, so we can. Yeah, oh, but Fe- yeah, Phoenix don't have the. I mean, all those cards like Good Omen and uh, Warm Welcome is the card. Sorry, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, <laughs> Warm Welcome, Warm Welcome, and like Good Omen and, and stuff like that are all um much easier to play out of Scorpion just because you've got dial mechanics. So you have got the Puppeteer and. Maze of Illusion, and I think there's others out there too, but they yeah. all help. That's all you need is a little bit more. I mean, that, it's a little different now when people can run Day Show. Anyone that runs Day Show can do the same thing because you're forcing your opponent to bid two, right? And mm-hmm. if you really want, really need to be higher, you bid five. If you really need to bid lower, you bid one. Your opponent doesn't have that option on those jewels. So it, um, yeah, it, it makes a big difference. I like how these decks, all of them running like three assassinations as well. That was. A super yeah. mono back in the like right at the beginning, people were all over their assassinates. Then they learned that that cost is actually really heavy, and you don't get too crazy with them. 
Well, for everyone except now, Scorpion, right? Well, now, well, even Scorpion, I think, were predominantly on two or even one for quite some time because everyone knows, right? Like after <laughs> after Core, everybody knew that you don't double down on one and two cost people. You don't put a bunch on them because of Assassinate. Um, but because everybody learned that, people stopped doing it, and Assassin lost all its, Assassination lost a lot of its value. It's still super good, but um, you weren't stripping four fate off a table anymore mm-hmm. um, because ah uh, the meta game yeah right it changes you know peaks and troughs and all that gear but um, yeah. you know what I think is actually is really interesting as well so so I think. So one thing that when I was reading the write-up in Imperial Advisor, one of the things that stood out to me was the number of matchups that clans have that are definitely unfavorable, right? So obviously I looked at the Phoenix ones first. So Phoenix, out of eight matches played by Phoenix, uh, they have a 25% loss rate against Scorpion again, right? Or at least in, at this event, right? So I don't know what that says about the broader meta. We'll have to wait until maybe Birmingham, something a bit bigger. But sorry, uh, isn't that, so that's no, Phoenix have a 25% win rate versus Scorpion, yeah? Loss. So they only win a quarter of their games. Correct. Yep. Yeah, so they've got a 25% yep. win rate. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. My, my bad. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, okay, statistics. Sorry, Stats. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, whereas they, in, in this event again, out of four games, they had a 75% win rate against Dragon. So, uh, and then I thought, oh, that's interesting. Let's have a look at some of the other clans. And every clan actually has a matchup that is particularly unfavorable. I think that uh, Crane probably come out the best, right? So yeah, let's, let's just go. I'll just go through them. I've got the page up, right? So yep. Crab, 33% win against Lion. And thirty percent win against Scorpion. Two bad matchups. Uh, I'm gonna so Crane. Uh, I think is kind of fifty percent for most clans, except for Unicorn. They've got a forty-three percent win rate against Unicorn and a forty percent win rate against Crab. So mm. that's not as bad as some of the others, but you know, no, their weaknesses are nowhere near as weak as the others. Dragon's weakness is apparently Phoenix. Everybody else seems to be pretty pretty even. Yeah. Lion, Lion is is actually legend just legend of the five rings. <laughs> it's probably it's probably <laughs> underrepresented, right? So Lion is probably the least played clan. So there's actually the least number of matchups in total. There's only yeah. 17 games in the event to get to draw stats from. So it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, Phoenix bad matchup, yeah. Uh, Crane, Scorpion. yeah. Crane's actually around the middle. It's Scorpion. Yep. Scorpion's bad matchups against Crane. Uh, unicorns bad matchups against dragon. Yeah, yeah, that's so, interesting. Yeah, so I I think that's interesting because I reckon if you go back and have a look, maybe people can yell at me on the internet if I'm wrong, but I have an impression that the games six months ago or so things were kind of even. You know, it was sort of fifty percent, you know, all around. Say pre Children of the Empire or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Like the. <sighs> Could be rose-colored glasses. I, maybe. I, I think Lion were in a worse spot then, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they've definitely made some small steps and they're doing better than they were. But um, they're obviously, they have a, a ways to go. Um, I don't think Crab have changed in forever. I think I wouldn't mind betting, though, that Crab should have a higher win rate overall just based on the cards if everyone had the same level of experience 
as they do against crab because the crab deck hasn't changed in ages right it's tiny little incremental changes so everybody knows exactly what it is that that deck's doing every single game mm. right it, it hasn't really changed yeah I mean, and, that, I, and just because you know what a deck is doing doesn't necessarily mean that you can stop it either you know it's it's clearly very strong no but that's exactly. it if you can imagine if it was just if strong but it had a whole bag of new tricks like i have a, mm. I reckon after Crab's clan pack comes out, I think they are probably going to pop for a while. I think they'll get quite ridiculous, It would be my guess. Um, Do you know if they're coming out before or after Gen Con? I thought nah, Dragon no was the only one that was before, that was after Gen oh, Con. Oh, sorry, you're correct. No, you are right. The, Dragon is the only one. I am, yeah. am not sure if it's getting released after Gen Con or if it's only legal after Gen Con, but... Yeah. So crab should be out. So that that will be a big thing to to note. Um, but I'm not sure dragon need it. I mean, there's a very good chance that dragon will benefit a lot from whatever comes out in the crab pack as well, because they splash crab often, and the the crab sort of neat attachments that just really augment giant mm. towers. Um, yeah, they definitely synergize really well with dragon. Yeah. Like it does really well. So, uh, speaking of like, you know, win rates and all this type of thing, sometimes the, the of a clan strength is like how often it gets into the cut, things like that. Yep. So again, at Atlanta, um, there are two crabs, two scorpions, and two cranes in the top ace, no unicorns, and then oh, one, one of each of the others. But then you look at who advances, right? And it's the crab and the scorpion that advance all the way to the finals. Um, so even though the crane got two in on the on the cut, they were eliminated first round. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. So who they the crane took on the scorpion so one, and the crab, and they went on to yeah. be the the finalists. Yep. So you know, I mean, Armitage lost to Dragon. Yeah. Um, so I want to know. I want to know what that Dragon deck was. Um, whether there's something interesting and spicy in there. Not that I think that that matchup is like favored towards the Scorpion or anything. It's just mm. that, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like a Scorpion has actually, no, it's, that's, that's not true. I do feel like Scorpion is favored. <laughs> that's the reason <laughs> I want to know what, what's in uh, that dragon deck. Yeah. No, look, I, I'm mostly really stoked with that result. Um, Palumbo's, I love the fact that it was a dishonor deck, like all the way. Like he, I don't think he's not running like fans and katanas and stuff. He's no bonsais, none of that nonsense. It's all just good so, old fashioned. Do, do you know what I? Do you know? So there's an interesting story there. I think so. Steve Palumbo, way back. Remember last podcast I talked about like the the guy that uh, went scorpion. Just he. he Gave up his Hatamoto ship to go Scorpion so he could pick a Seeker role for Scorpion so they wouldn't get like a Keeper of Air role because yeah, yeah. he felt like the backhanded compliment was like NP and stuff like that. So Steve Plumbo, for all this time, has been one of the the most uh, the staunchest advocate of the Dishonor sort of play. Yeah. And at all of the events that he goes to and, and places really highly, and he's always sort of been pushing that play style, even when you, you know they weren't on a seeker of air or sorry, keeper of air or, or even a, a keeper role. They had keeper of earth before this, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. So he was playing that all the way through, and that that deck did really well. And this is kind of this is kind of his like. See, I told you, this is <laughs> the way to play Scorpion, right? Q vindication meme from Captain Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that's really good. Uh, he always does really well in events. Great player. Nah. Nah, it's been good. He had a, I saw a, some of his chatter on the, the Scorpion chat um, afterwards. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, everyone was, was dead, dead keen and very supportive, just saying, yeah, it's great. Dishonor deck. I love it. But it's good. I like that it's it's out there. I think um I think this the, the keeper of a scorpion deck though I think has a lot of different iterations. You'll see like that like it's going to happen that someone's going to start chucking in um like the crab splash with watch commanders because when you're not drawing a lot of cards and your opponent is drawing a lot of cards, if you're trying to bid low, watch commanders stock goes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Stock price yeah. soars because. Every time your opponent does that, you're one point closer to um to your victory condition. You know, it makes a, yeah. a very big difference. Because with a lot of movement and stuff, as long as you can shepherd like your Shasura Sadako, for example, not Sadako, um, Takeo, who moves into conflicts with dishonored people. Like if you can strap a watch commander on him for a few turns and protect him from uh, assassination. And even assassination isn't even that big of a deal. Like if I've got that down there and you want to assassinate him, you know what? If it's you want to ba- burn- it's basically just front loading yeah. the honor loss. That's it. That if you, you, would, wanna, you would have taken from Watch Commander. Yeah. If you want to burn down there, then you know what? Be my guest. I'm on I'm on board. Yeah. And if he's in the conflict anyway, then you've lost four because Watch Commander is a reaction, right? It goes first. Or interrupt. Well, I think right. that's I think that's the way it used to work. I don't think it works that way anymore. So remember yeah. there's a recent ruling that let go played on a watch commander. You wouldn't lose the honor for the let go. As a result yeah, so, of watching re- it, yeah, it was so no re- longer in play. Yeah, so reactions trigger after, interrupts trigger before. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, my thinking yeah. is that it's most likely the same for Assassinate. The, the card is gone essentially before the mm. reaction window opens. Would be, yeah. Yeah. So Steve Plumbo drops a coin in the bucket for the Scorpion clan to um, reach their the ultimate goal of this season, which is, of course, to... Uh, what is it? Protect, become the warden of the emperor's sword. Yeah, the imperial Kunshu. sword, Kunshu. Yeah. 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 So if they get it this season, that will be two Kote seasons, and we'll see a, a Kunshu, a scorpion thing, like looking Kunshu card in an yeah, upcoming set. I like it. That'd be good. Did you we'll collect it? the set. It's, a... <laughs> yeah. it's like every season just gets won by Scorpion. Yeah. From That's it. Still like... haven't still haven't seen our Toshi Ranbu. <laughs> no. Next next cycle though, right? I mean they they're yeah. handing them out at Kotes, so people have got the cards, they're just not legal yet. <laughs> oh god. Fair enough. No, Kunchu looks like a really good card. I think um Yeah. What, so it, it's what, like... what were your first impressions? Oh, I I think it's it's great, but it it has the same um, I the same reservations I have about any two plus cost attachment. So mm-hmm. um, that you know it's it's a heavy investment too to just drop on a guy. But th- this card is from memory. I don't have it in front of me, but it's plus two plus two for two. So already the stats yeah. are worth it, right? They're huge. That's super good. Um, I think- went, well, plus two plus two. I think is is massive. That takes. Any any single guy on the table, it can only go to on unique people, I think, as well. Yes, yeah, I but, think um, that's correct. Yeah, I think plus two plus two is a huge boost. 
Like that's a a fan so, and a katana, and it's only one restricted slot. Um, I've been I've been thinking about the plus two plus two because it because I thought the same thing about Murimoto's Daisho when it came out. So I'm like, yeah. Would you play an attachment that was one for one one? I think yes. d- if if it doesn't have another great thing about it, like if it's oh, a talisman yeah, is one yeah. for one one, but if it was just blank one for one one, I feel like. That's a that's a bad trade, right? One yes. fate and one card for one stat in one conflict doesn't seem great. So well, the benefit it, it's not for one conflict though, is it? Like it's the repetition value out of yeah one conflict per turn, I suppose. You know, all all other things being equal. Yeah, no, yeah, you know, you're completely right. It is you know for that conflict, but um, that that's the trick though. I mean, really the. The meta is mostly and has been for some time, you know, towers, big guys, lots of stuff, and all of the yeah, return of investment yeah. on those things is is there. But um, no, you're right. Like a one for one, one or a two for two, two on its own wouldn't cut it. Mm. But but that's not what we're talking about, though. We're talking about a, a two <laughs> for two, two with ancestral. Um, so if you know when the person inevitably goes away you get the card back and it's got the an amazing ability which is that you can choose a card in your opponent's discard and play that card yourself so you can steal so attachments and does this mean does what would this make this card though would it make it a a three of like let's say let's say you've got all the let's say you're playing out of phoenix and you just basically always have the favor scorpion sort of same sort of thing I- um I couldn't see myself ever playing three. If I had the right deck in place, um, I could see myself running two. Um, like you could definitely, I could definitely see dragon decks, for example, like any heavy attachment deck, like crab, dragon, anyone that wants to get big fat people on the table and keep them around for ages and has the tools to do that. Yeah, go, go nuts. It, it'll. There's no way you will regret playing that card. If you can keep it alive, which means keeping the person alive and shepherding the card itself from like, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a two of, like, I think the max is two of, right? Because you would never want to turn one. Um, And assuming, assuming you're bidding like five on turn one, you're going to see it. If it was a three of, you'd see it half your games on turn one. Yeah. Uh, But the, um, yeah, and if you saw it on turn one, your opponent doesn't have a discard pile to use it anyway. So yeah, I think from yeah, you're right. It's probably a two of max most of the time. I think so. I mean, unless you want to do something amazing like out of Phoenix, where you want to have Shiba Sakun dual wielding Kunshu and a Fushikai, like <laughs> <laughs> running running both of those tasty pieces. <laughs> yeah, man, just inviting my opponent to play those let goes, and you know just. Punish me, slap me in the face for my abuse of value. That's right. No, oh my god, be, be <laughs> if it was printed in Phoenix, like, yeah, like I, I think I said in, in in a chat somewhere, it's like I think Phoenix should get it so that then they can not play it, just like they can't play their own ancestral sword. You know, <laughs> they, they can play their own ancestral sword. <laughs> it's, it's, it's for decoration only. It decorates the inside of my binder. Well, I bring I it it's, it's, nah, it's it's in theme, mate. Like only certain, <laughs> only certain people are chosen. <laughs> only certain people can use it. But if they do, oh, they're so strong. They're so powerful. Uh, 
It's true. I would love to play both of those cards. I'm waiting for the card. It's probably a dragon card that says all attachments on this character are immune to events, you know, or something like that. Like the the anti let go. It's coming. Yeah. I'm sure it's coming. Well, or it'll be a it'll be a character, and I won't be able. It'll be a dynasty character, and I won't it, be able to play. Any decent. If you just have a bit of event cancel floating around in your hand, like that's all you need. Like I suppose there's like mere mystics and yeah. stuff. You know, I, I know, you know, but that's kind of the point, right? Like you said yeah. it was in theme, and so the first thing that came to my mind was like the theme of not being able to play two cost attachments. That's the theme <laughs> that it did. <laughs> unless unless it's something crazy good like um, Mark of Shame, right? Uh, or well, Mark of yeah. Shame. Mark of Shame's a different beast because. Well, yeah, it's, it was, it's, it's actually up. not. Yeah, it's not an attachment, almost, right? It's mm. like it's like an event because all of the useful bits of Mark of Shame happen as soon as you attach it, and then if you're and so therefore all of the value gets paid like off uh, when you play it, and then if your opponent plays the let go, it's actually bad for them because they haven't actually removed as much value as you've gained just by playing the card. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Well, if while we're talking about Mark of Shame, it's a good segue into my one of the other spoilers that came out just prior to Kanshu, which is the oh, yeah. Tea House for Crane. Yeah. Um, which is a plus two holding and I think it requires a participating courtier and you choose an attachment on an opposing person in the conflict mm-hmm. and you return that attachment to the opponent's hand, which for mark of shame is just amazing because you can mark of shame people get the double dishonor off and then just boomerang it back to your hand to be played again at another time and you can Wait. just keep it yeah oh my god i didn't even think of that that's amazing it's so i good. need to, i need to go and look at this card again <laughs> yeah but so sassy tea house whatever let's read it out for people where's the where's my spoiler channel on discord i've got it so the esteemed so, tea house i'll let you do the read okay <clears throat> esteemed tea house holding with plus two province strength it has the traits tea house as an action during conflict in which you control a participating courtier choose an attachment on a participating character return that attachment to its owner's hand that player <laughs> cannot play copies of that uh, card until the end of the phase you're right that's yep. awesome. <laughs> you, yep. You're like, mark of shame. Come back. You're like, bang it back to your hand. Next yep. turn, mark of shame. Yeah, it's great. super good. Just double dishonor every it's, turn. It's like, a, it's like a stamp. You're just stamping people with dishonor tokens. <laughs> no, it's super good. I'm not sure. I haven't been able to ID anything else that really has the same effect, um, mm. but I'm sure there will be. Like, There have to be other things. But even like Crane aren't opposed when they when they have the good fortune to have a keeper role to mm. run like um, Talisman of the Sun, for example. Like if you're in that last conflict with your guy where you've been talismaning or your spyglass yeah. or whatever, yeah, where it's been yeah. bouncing around all over the place, you're like, oh, I'm about to lose this guy. End of the turn, I might just take this one back and I'll play it yeah. again later. Or you can you can just have so you can you can be doing your normal thing, normal game plan, and then somebody has like a really um, a really oppressive attachment, a Mirmoto's Daisho or something. And yep. those characters are going to be in conflicts. You can just throw down a conflict courtier and go, all right, that, that attachment's going to go back to your hand now. Yep. 
yeah. and just get rid of it. And I love the stipulation that they can't play it again for the rest of the phase is super good, though. Like it would have to be the kind of situation where you would not like you don't you don't do that early in the game. You do that late in the game and you, when you're looking to close the game. Well, it's it's a repeat go action every turn, turn, right? Like it's just it's a holding it. As soon as it doesn't break, it's plus two strength. It just sits there all the time. <laughs> You just mm, do true. it whenever you feel like it. I'd be, I'd be more than happy to have three of these on my, <laughs> and just, <laughs> just get all my people out of that last slot. I'd the pro, the, crane, okay the cranes that. army, like at the front of the cranes army, they're building these little tea houses. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, these sort of cards, these sort of cards make me wish they had influence costs on more than just conflict yeah. cards. Yeah, like, that'd be nice. Such a neat card to have. Like it's not really depriving your opponent of anything they just have to wait mm. um, but at the same time but i tell you what does bother me about this is it gives crane the full suite of tools now they've got their kill they've got their closure yeah. they've got their attachment control yeah they've got everything i think um, all i think all clans are heading in that direction is it, are they, in some when way, card, yeah. yeah when this card came out um, if you think about, I think there's four clans actually that all now have attachment controlling five. There's Dragon, Crane, Phoenix, Crab, and I feel like I'm missing one. Scorpion have got plenty. Scorpion. There you go. So five. Five out of seven have actually got in clan attachment control in some fashion. So who doesn't? Unicorn? Lion. Actually, no. Lion's got no, hand to hand. Lion have got hand to hand, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Unicorn, just Unicorn. And I'm they sure somebody not, not have any. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't think they do. So, dear listener, if you can think of a unicorn card that does have, that is sort of attachment controlly, uh, you can tweet us at the Jade Throne Podcast. <laughs> uh, so do that. Yeah. Dead king. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, country spoilers and stuff. So what else has been going on locally? So uh, we mentioned the Nationals last time we are on the podcast, but we didn't have any details. So we've now got details for yes, Nationals, right? it is. So Nationals now is 23rd and 24th of November. So right. just at the end of the year, I think it's in a sweet spot where there's no university exams. Uh, yes, I think so. I'll tell you what it's also after is... <laughs> Because I mentioned last week about the the hectic schedule I'm going to have if I make Kote, right? It's going to be bedlam, like one thing <laughs> yeah. after another. This event, Nationals in Brisbane, is where it is. Uh, I can't remember the exact place, but it's in Brisbane. We'll get you some more details later. It's literally two days after my 10th wedding anniversary. So there's always no chance of going to this as well. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Yeah. But, you know, you choose the things you want to do, which is good. Yeah, that's right. I'd rather be Nationals. married. So it's true. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like I have a witty retort to that, but there isn't one. No, there's not. So <laughs> just just cry sadly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why doesn't why does everything revolve around the marriage? Why doesn't the marriage revolve around the cards? Hmm? Well, you know, I don't know. Just because <laughs> it's a because it's a better thing. <laughs> If you have any marital advice, um, what's his name from Jade Throne is getting married soon. So feel oh, free Shen. to tweet, tweet, tweet at that Shen at the Jade Throne podcast. Yeah, that fellow's plummeting headfirst into being a grown up. 
kinds of stuff. I think he was he was talking about being able to go to uh, Gen Con, but not Worlds, and that'll be a crying shame. Yeah, I think it's different over here in Australia as well. Like you can't just skip over. Well, I can't. You over in Melbourne and stuff, you can, but um, <coughs> from Perth, it's what? a pretty pretty lengthy journey to get anywhere. It's at least three thousand. <laughs> it's yeah. at least three thousand kilometers. The closest the city of distance. And yeah. that's just Adelaide. So nothing happens there either, but at least they're close enough to have stuff. Mm. I feel like there's actually a really good amount of like events and stuff going on. So Birmingham, sorry, Atlanta was just last weekend. Birmingham is next weekend. Uh, sea Turtle, I think, is in a couple of weeks. Sea Turtle? Um, sea Turtle. Haven't you seen the um, the name? <laughs> you know, in Discord, they just changed the names of the channels. Like, there's yeah. like this Kote and that Kote. They just renamed the channels. They renamed the Atlanta one to Sea Turtle because Seattle's next. Ah, Kote Sea Turtle. Don't ask me. I, don't. I feel <laughs> like that's an inside joke. And yeah, yeah. I don't get that one. <laughs> um. What else is coming up? National? No, not nationals. Uh, the World Cup. Yeah, the World Cup is a thing. I think we've almost Wayne, who is the grandfather of five rings in in Australia. He's like always been the guy that organises everything to do with. He's five the three eyed, the three eyed raven of rings five in rings. Australia. He absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, he's the a three story, the, keep, the keeper of stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but he's always all over it. Um, so he's sorting that group out, I think. I think it's just been um, a couple of the usual, not conflicts, but like discussions about who should actually represent. So you have like, you know, I, th- I think a few pairs of people that want to have a crack. Mm. I'm pretty sure the submissions were on Sunday. Um, so it must all be sorted out. Tell you what, let's put that in our, our follow-up sec- section for next week. We'll find out who is in the Australian Discord League team. Yeah. Um, and so deck submissions start. So the World Cup, yeah, I can't remember what I just said, but the World Cup is uh, kind of an interesting event. There's like eight eight people on a team, seven of which are like primaries, and then you've got one backup. And each player is representing one clan. And I think when they do the matchups, one one team chooses one person from their clan and then that it's like you use that clan and then they're gone is that right oh man don't ask me i have no idea i only have so much space up here for, for <laughs> things to do with my i do as much as i can but only the stuff that's immediately pertinent to me yeah but um, no i think so i know there's been a little bit of confusion. Um, yeah, I think I think the format is kind of interesting, actually, especially being like a team, like an offline team event. And um, when when this was sort of first proposed was back when the World Cup was actually on, and it was definitely like there was a bit, there was kind of this feverish, you know, let's do an L5R World Cup because you know there was a World Cup of everything at that point in the year, wasn't there? But I think it I think it petered out. Like um, I can't remember if there was a final game or anything like that. So I feel like this is a uh, a chance to to finish that off, you know. Bit of a resurgence. Well, I mean, there was plenty of interest. I know a lot of people were were keen to get in there. I think yeah. just about every clan had more than one nominee. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
which is good. And they're all sort of that. So no, like heaps of people are keen to have a go. So I think, um, yeah, I'm keen to see when the, what the results will be actually, because I know we've got some good players going in, but, um, obviously some places like the U S you've got like your anneals and there's your Palombos out there and stuff. So the, the competition is stiff. Mm. This is indeed true. So speaking of competition, um, so like I said, there's like heaps of events going on world cup. You might like, you know, our listeners might be going to some events and they might be looking for some sort of inspiration for, you know, exactly what they should take into a deck. So, uh, take into an event yeah so i have a i have a helpful suggestion for for the people listening that might be looking at that um i don't know what clan you play but i do know what clans there are in the game and i have a feeling that if you go to an event of a decent size you're going to start out the swiss rounds kind of just facing you could face anyone you could face the most seasoned veteran you could face like the most scrubbiest of scrub um, with the most random decks. So I think a really good way <laughs> to prepare for an event <laughs> is not necessarily looking at what the best decks are, but just look at what some of the potential decks are that you might face in those early rounds. Have you got yeah. uh, Have you got this week's deck? For us I have again? got <clears throat> this week's deck right here in front of me. And uh, it's, quite, it's quite exciting. I've seen a lot of events. Um, things similar to this bouncing around, but um, this one I think looks the the neatest and probably the most likely to actually actually have some legs. So it is the mm. Exploding Ponies deck by uh, Eighth Blackbird on Bushy Builder. We will link to it, and it is I'm sure everybody out there that's hit Jigoku on any number of times over the past couple of weeks would have seen the uh, Shira Shinjo slash Honor running Unicorn decks where. You run all of the dump bulk people onto the table unicorn cards mm. and then you mm. either run the lion card that honors everybody that wins a conflict or festival of fortunes breaks, just breaks the province i think yeah absolutely so so this is exactly in in that wheelhouse i suppose it's it's got exactly you know, what you're after it's got three festivals and three and three fourths of the river and cavalry reserves and they are the only cards that matter everything else <laughs> just just helps you get there you just dump tons of people on the table and make that work all right so uh, before we sort of get into the particulars of the card uh the cards so i think this is a this is an archetype that i really miss in the game actually right it's a deck which is kind of working towards a clock, right? It's got maybe a, a turn three or four clock where if you haven't won and broken the opponent's stronghold, they're going to get to 40 honor, uh, 40 honor, <laughs> 25 honor and win the game. So if you're a deck that doesn't really go very fast, this deck could be a problem for you, right? Y- yes and no. Like there's a fair few moving pieces and it's susceptible to both attachment hate and event cancels. Mm. So either one of those things could hurt it a bit, but um, it's backed itself up plenty with plenty of card draw. So it's maximizing your chance. So it's running three spoils of war, three spy glasses. Um, other than that, it's a lot of the standards. There's a couple of left field cards in there, like Way of the Unicorn, which is, you know, I understand it. 
the force of the okay. river and stuff, but I don't know. So let, let's look at let's look at let's break the deck down. So, so Shiro Shinjo, if you're following along at home, uh, there's a link in the description. Go grab it. So let's look at the dynasty side. So the first thing that jumps out at me on the dynasty side is there's actually a lot of really low cost stuff here. So clearly the this a deck wants to buy all the people out of its provinces. If you look at stats, um, the one cost, uh, one yeah, one cost dynasty slot is the highest at twelve. So it's got uh, how do I close this thing? It's got battle maiden recruit that's zero. Child of the Plains is one. Motor Youth is one. Attack Infantry is one. Me Mystic is two. Master of the Swift Waves is three, and then it sort of goes up from there. Uh, Wild Stallion as well. <laughs> Wild Stallion. Now that's interesting. A one cost one zero with zero glory, no attachments. During conflict with this character's participating, choose up to one other character you control. Move this character and that character to the conflict. That's kind of cool. One of the things that honor decks sort of suffer from is there's kind of this inherent um, bias towards dishonor styles of play because the, the defender loses an honor if they don't defend. So yeah. cards that let you move stuff into conflicts um, to avoid that one on loss in an honor deck is kind of powerful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's super important as well. Like it means you mm-hmm. can, you can still be kind of aggressive. Like you can still try and slam into your opponent's stuff, but you don't have to be there to properly defend a province. You can let it break, but just, drop somebody that's bowed in there with some kind mm-hmm. of move effect so that you can keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So other notable characters in there are Kudaka, an important Shigenja if you want to play something like Cloud. This person's not playing Cloud, but it's an option. Shahai's in there for all your you know, talismans and obviously Force of the River. Um, it's Covert yeah. as well, so you could actually use Shahai as a little bit of a battering ram so you can go in covert around some of their guys get an airing while kudaka draws you a card and gains you a fate for it yeah definitely yeah so, so again it's a bit low strategy so you need to be able to draw cards so it's got imperial storehouse and yurt um yurt i think is just for the honor just get the honor right yeah 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 no absolutely i mean you know yurt used to with rebuild facilitate the turbo yurt and sort of get it done on its own you mm-hmm. know, decks in the past. So it definitely helps. Because at the end of the day, if your opponent's got a couple extra on it, Madison was your higher than that. Like if I'm on 18 and you're on 17, I'm going to be the first one to 25. So whatever. I mean, that mm. said, I, I preface all of this with the fact that I've, I've never seen an honor victory deck consistently win via honor. Like I've, I've seen on a victories take place but never mm. with any kind of consistency um but you never know i like i think it's it's out there i on, i feel though if it's anywhere it's going to be out there. um because they've just got the right tools there at the moment it's going to be crane dueling i think is what's going to do it it's going to have a day show yeah involved. <laughs> yeah, most most likely the most consistent deck to win by honor is going to be one that is able to to do the like this game kind of has these pillars, right? Yeah. So press your opponent's honor, bolster your honor, uh, diminish your opponent's board position while maintaining your board position, right? So yeah. all the decks that win do those things, right? So definitely the most consistent decks are going to do it. But I like I like this deck because it's 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 kind of an aggro deck, but 
you know, it's not it's not aiming to break provinces. It's aiming to get guys onto the table so you can hit. So let's talk conflict, right? Get guys onto the table as cheaply as possible. Um, it's got force of the river. That's just more guys on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got some conflict characters, more guys on the table, low cost conflict characters. They're one cost wayfinders and ambushes. Uh, it's got festival of fortunes. So and cavalry reserves, more guys on the table. And festival of fortunes is the linchpin of the of the deck, right? So yep. it runs yep. as its splash, crane splash runs festival of fortunes and gossip. And I'm going to guess that the strategy is. Oh, actually, and the Spoils of War is in there to draw you more cards, right? Remember the importance of card draw. Yeah, and the Spyglass, yeah, for sure. So Gossip, I think, is in there to combo with Festival of Fortunes. You play Gossip, assuming it doesn't get cancelled, you name your opponent's cancel card, mm-hmm. and then you can play your Festival of Fortunes with relative security. Does it run Censure? It runs one Censure, just maybe if they try and cancel your... One Defender. I mean, I feel like every deck should have one Censure. Like... It just is that tasty little card that if you've got the favor, it's often that cancel that your opponent doesn't expect. Like if you're running Forged Edicts or you're running Voice of Honor, they can play around those, but they never really know if you've got censure there. Um, mm. Someone's just like, man, if I just had that card. It, yeah. It's it's often the case that you'll see censure in a deck list at competition where you're going to exchange your deck list with your opponent. I think that's why Endless Planes is in this deck as well. So that your opponent, if you if you exchange deck lists, your opponent looks at it and he's going to go, okay, I now I know I need to play around Endless Planes and I know I need to consider that they've got the Sentry in their deck. Yeah, no, and that, that matters a lot. Um, this deck is sick. I'm going to build this deck. This deck is awesome. Yeah, like, the, I mean, more, the more I look at it, it's just so good. Spyglasses, more card draw. Um, ring of binding. So when you like charge people out in your first play, you throw a ring of binding on them. They don't leave play. Good stuff. Yeah. What would so, you What would you change? Hmm. I actually don't like. Uh, I I do like the censure, but I think I would turn the censure into a cha- uh, keep a cancel. Defend your honor. That's what well, I would already, do. They've already got one there. I yeah, mean, but I, I would make I would make it a two off because I think a defend your honor might be a little bit more consistent. Yeah, maybe, but you've got to win that duel, though, don't you? Like, and they yeah. don't have a lot of heavy hitters in this one. I suppose you get your curve blade and stuff. Yeah, and you've got Shono. Well, you've got you've got curve blade to get you some military force. You've got Shono, and I think you're probably looking to maneuver the game into a position where you're in a conflict and you feel confident about your Festival of Fortunes play because that's the key, right? It's yeah. bid low draw high as a result of spyglasses and spoils of war and stuff have lots of people on the table so that you can play your festival of fortunes and then um then you can get all the honor when they leave play that's that's when you scoop it all up i like there's a chrysanthemum festival in here so i feel like if you're in the defend your honor sort of thing maybe away the chrysanthemum as a result of a defend your honor gets you a bit more honor it just looks it kind of it's kind of nicely balanced. It looks very very elegant, actually. The other thing I would change is this Daimyo's Gumbay. During a conflict, if this card's in your hand, reveal it and initiate a military duel against a character your opponent controls. Resolve the duel. Put this card into attached to the winner. So I feel like all of these duels are a little bit like just to get into a duel, so you can get into the honor exchanging situation, so you could play something like Chrysanthemum Festival or 
um, maybe just just because it's a duel, take a little bit of honor from your opponent. That's all. Well, you can't always just take the honor from your opponent, but if you sometimes you just need those effects, right? But if you are happy to sacrifice a bit of honor when you've got some there, you can initiate a duel with somebody safe to defend your honor or the way. Um, with somebody that is substantially higher than you, but not immune. So if you're right. two yeah. points higher than me, if you're on five and I'm on three, if you bid a one, I can bid four and I'll still win. So you've really got to bid three to make sure that you're winning that duel. So if mm -hmm. I just bid one anyway, then you've got a two-point trade. So, I yeah. mean, I've seen that happen plenty, but it's not the, the be-all. I'm not sure it's... I, I'm... I'm not sure I rate the Wild Stallion and the Utaku Infantry over there. I think I'd rather replace them with probably some other little cavalry bodies. I think the Utaku Infantry actually can get really big in this deck. Kind of. Like the also the river body. But the Cause you, you know the you know the text on Utaku Infantry, like it gets one plus one plus one for every other unicorn card in the, in conflict. the conflict. Yeah. Um, that increases. So, if you have this guy in the conflict, he's straight away is a one, and then you play a wayfinder into the conflict. The wayfinder for one, like cost, is then worth two stat, right? Yeah, the one yeah. that it gets plus the other one. So it kind of having the infantry there kind of makes everybody else just more efficient. And I think I think it's worth the loss of a cavalry trait. I like the infantry. Yeah, maybe. I guess I'm I'm thinking of mostly HMT, that, right? Well, no, but the the cav reserves to like grab all those for free, drop them into the conflict, mm. and um, then festival, right? So it's an extra card that you could be pulling out. But I suppose if you've got plenty of others, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not sure I'd include Tetsuko. Um, or you know, you know, what I think it's missing. Is that a jewel. No, Utaku Tetsuko, yeah, there's yeah. two of. Um, I mean, she, don't get me wrong, Tetsuko's amazing. She's super, super mm -hmm. good, but maybe not essential. So I'd be curious to get more of a more of a, a build intent on this. Obviously, gonna, the, the idea it, is that you... I'm going to play it. Yeah. I think, obviously, the, <laughs> I think the intent is obviously that you gossip before you run your combo, and you'd, you'd gossip whatever it is your opponent's got cancelled. So if you're playing at Scorpion, you'd go gossip... Forge Edict, so those cancels can't happen, and mm -hmm. then you can just you just free to play all your gear, defend your yeah. honor or rest. But um, no, I read it. I definitely, I, you know, I'd change stuff. I think Shono's in there. He buffs everybody. Yeah, so all the yeah. cavalry people yeah. get plus one plus one. So that's his gig pride as well. So just a bit of a negative keyword. But I think I like this because it's still running curve blade and ambusher, um, and stuff like and charge. Like it's still got quite a bit of kick to it um, yeah i think i think it's got legs and um i think out of shiro shinjo um the low cost the low cost people kind of guarantees you can get your two conflicts off per turn i don't think there's anything else in here which actually flips up provinces so i think uh it's just looking for that sort of turn three high economy play so you can definitely play your cab reserves definitely play your festival of fortunes things like that yeah, on the on the offense, but so I mean, I've been playing a little bit with Shirashinjo lately. You don't need to really aggressively flip your stuff. Like two random probes just to flip stuff up each turn is fine. 
Um, so that's interesting. <laughs> I say that a lot. Uh, so Shiro Shinjo starts off at six, right? So correct. you hit your hit your opponent for one province. So on turn two, it's a seven. So you're only up by a half, a half of eight. For, if you hit your opponent for two provinces on the first turn, then it's up to eight on the second turn, which means that it's the equivalent of a seven, like a plus seven, on turn one and two. So you, it's not until turn three that you actually see an increase in fate generation from this thing, unless you play cards which, in turn one, can flip up heaps of provinces. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, yeah, it does. Um, yeah. I think a deck like this, though, I know I would rather way run like um, waning hostilities. I think to slow the game right down. Um, I've got mm. plenty. Like turn one, you're probably not going to do two conflicts. You just wait and see what your opponent plays right out of his dynasty. Mm. And yeah, but you know, fast decks might put you in danger. But for the most part, you don't need to. Even though it costs you an extra fate, you slow down enough of those conflicts. You start to build a bit of momentum, get all that honor up, and suddenly they realize they're in trouble. The rest in. Mm. I'd probably definitely switch up the provinces quite a bit. I am. Um, yeah. For, for if I'm really gunning for honor, um, I would first of all for the not just provinces, but the dynasty. I would put in Sadia because she is awesome, mm-hmm. um, and she's the one that lets you flip things back face down. And I would drop in public forum instead of upholding authority. I'd dump Khan's Ordu and I'd put in the illustrious forge to mm-hmm. fish for those attachments that I've got that are pretty key. Shameful display, I'd even though a lot of people kick me for this, I would probably chuck in Temple of the Dragons. So again, it's on reveal, you can keep repeating it. If you have Sadia, you can flip it back down and then you can flick them into it with Talisman. So you can keep triggering that. And that way if your opponent's attacking with like an air ring, you can just trigger it straight off or firing and get that extra point. And instead of endless planes, you run rally to the cause so that you can consistently, or you would maybe run um, the festival. Mm. The drunk people in the street. I like I like some of those changes actually. I like the um, the go go get an attachment province, and yeah. I like the. Uh, the trigger the ring effect straight away one temple of dragons yeah, yeah well, the, the fact that with sadia you can repeat all those things public forum you can just flick people over there with your talisman sun it breaks what's whatever the, what's, the cost of, what's the cost of sadia she's a three coster and mm-hmm. she's a zero three two glory she's sincerity you put her in instead of tetsuko uh yeah i would i'd run i would run three of her i think she's gold as long as you've got the right provinces um and also mm-hmm. though to use her ability you've so if you weigh if the chrysanthemum, for example, is just isn't coming off, you've got her and you've got sport to dump excess cards that you're just not mm-hmm. using and turn them into something useful, which I think is super important. But um, she doesn't mm-hmm. have cavalry, but she is a courtier. But I, I just found her ability to be extraordinary every time I play with her. Um, look, no, I really like this deck, and I'd, I'd love to see it come off and work. All right, so... Uh, we'll put we'll put the Hidden City Rolls edition of Exploding Ponies up on Bush Builder, and obviously all credit to the original author. Um, but I guess maybe we should sort of let everybody get on with their lives. What do you reckon? Yeah, right. Let's wrap. All right. <laughs> you got any shout-outs or things that you reckon people should know about what's going on right now? 
No, everybody should play more cards and do more interesting things and send the interesting decks. Adopt yes. boring decks, interesting ones. Yeah. Like if you've got, if, yeah, if you've got an interesting deck that you want us to have a look at, um, go ahead and put it on our Facebook page, which is Hidden City Rollers. <laughs> there aren't many Hidden City Rollers out there. There is an actual Roller yeah, Derby right. Hidden City Rollers. I was going <laughs> to say, I was going to say, put it on uh, Jade Throne, but that would be like, that would be the opposite. We would get no deck list then. <laughs> Jade <laughs> Throne would be like, why is everybody sending us these deck lists? Everybody, send all your deck lists to Jade Throne. <laughs> <laughs> all right, put it put it in their public Facebook group so that we can see it. So we'll go and steal it from the Jade Throne's right. Facebook group, and then we'll reveal it on on the podcast. No, it's good. I'll, I'm, I'll shamelessly steal from everywhere. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. Um, yeah, been fun. I will catch you next week. Yep. I'll see you later.